Well, hello everybody. It's that time where I feed your enterprising soul with Enterprise, 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 Enterprise. It's the Enterprise Ian Show. And what better way to start than with a little bit of dough, or rather bread. And our special guest today is Carol Simmons, out there in Port Rush. Hi, Carol! (laughs) And naturally naturally joining us is Fiona in Oban. Kevin in Plymouth. Matthew, who's a bit hyper today, that's the bad news. And Mike Flat bringing his customary wit and repartee to the occasion. Now, we're going to have a kind of foodie theme today, but first... Tell me a story, it's the story of the week. As per usual, I go round and embarrass myself by asking everybody if they've got a story to tell. And at this point, they go, not really. So surprise me, folks. Enterprise, Ian to Fiona, do you have a story for us? Yes, I do. OK, hesitation over. One. Go for right, it. Well, I normally, oh, really? sto- I normally have a wee story for you open times, but I don't have one this week. But this did catch my eye from the old good old P&J. And it, it kind of was a bit of a, a bit of a Jackie Weaver moment. I just saw the headline... Police investigating after naked man interrupts online community council meeting. Basically, there was this council meeting open via Zoom in uh, Inches and Milton of Lays, and this naked man appeared whilst they were discussing 800 new homes for the Fairway Golf Course. It just made me laugh. Right, enough of this tara-diddle. Let's bring it to the guest, the, the man of the moment... Carol Simmons, who started out life as, well, first of all, Carol, we always start, and this is a fascinating moment, brace yourself, we have three big questions, they are the... The big three. (laughs) And the first one is... Well, this segment's called Pizza, Wine and Enterprise Therapy, so the really important thing is pizza, thick or thin crust? Thin crust. Definitely thin. Topping? Uh, topping would be nice mozzarella, nice meat, bit of basil, tomato sauce. Nice Ooh, and simple. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe crack an egg on it too. Maybe. We'll see. Oh, Moroccan Ooh. style. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's That's not really, not really not. Very sophisticated. Yeah, yeah, it's not maybe. really pizza though, is it? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the second question or wine, beer or alcoholic or non-alcoholic beverage of your choice? Well, being a Yorkshireman, and since my bakehouse is called, uh, called... I didn't know that. I am, and my bakehouse is called Flat and Brown. It would be a lovely warm pint of black sheep ale from the Yorkshire Dales. That would be it for me. And that was the last drink I would Good. drink before I die. That's it. Flat, Ooh. brown, and reassuringly warm. The best way to drink ale. That's it. And three... Three! Is the therapy bit, which brings three. us to... the Fuck you, Matthew. You bloody do that all the time. <laughs> so... The third thing is the therapy bit. And this is where you unburden yourself to as you tell us your story. And I've got six questions, but I might not use them all. So quick fire round. First off, did this business, what's it called, first of all? Flat and Brown Bakehouse. Did you write a business plan? Did you write a business plan? Did you write a business plan? Business, business plan. 
Did it start with a plan or a conversation? No plan, definitely. I think a conversation. It started off very, yeah, just organically. No plan. No plan whatsoever. So what did you do in life before you started the bakery? So I did several things, actually. Before this, I, I started out in wine for five years. I was a journalist for three or four years. Um, where I worked on the radio down in Devon and Cornwall and up in the northern part of England. And then I moved to Northern Ireland, where I worked in marketing for a year. Very few journalism jobs in Northern Ireland. And then moved on from there. Hold on a minute. I'm just, I'm just looking at your, your little baby face features here. And thinking, how could you possibly be so old as to have done all these things? <laughs> That's just the trick of the light, I think. I think if you looked at my, the bags under my eyes, you'd see a different story. Um, but yeah, I've been busy boy, busy boy. So what happened that the business suddenly started? I think it, the business itself, as I said, it was very organic. It's a hobby. It's been a hobby of mine, baking bread, since I lived in Cornwall, really. Um, and got quite into foraging and quite into uh, sustainable living, really. And then the progression, I think anyone that bakes bread or bakes anything at home, there is always a progression. You either go into cakes, some people go into breads. And I've always been fascinated by bread in particular. So sourdough became something of a hobby that I do maybe once a week, once every couple of weeks, once a month, learn a little bit. And then lockdown, I suddenly started, instead of making one or two for family and friends or myself and kids, I then made four or, and then someone asked for it. And then it just, it kind of, it started off very slowly. And then the last six months, it's kind of snowballed from there, really. Um, that's why I say it didn't really start with a plan. It just, it started off with me just instead of baking two and freezing one, suddenly I baked four. And then you get, then once you invest the money in some more equipment, you bake eight and then you bake 16 and people keep coming back. Now, it, so. I gather that round about three o'clock behind you at your window, the scene will be transformed. Would you like to explain what's about to happen in the next 40 odd minutes? So every Friday... Um, I live at the end of a cul-de-sac. Every Friday, this humble window behind me here becomes a shop collection point. And people, they drive, they pre-order their breads and focaccia and pizza, and they drive up and they collect it. Um, I do sell to cafes and things as well, but this is my primary way of selling my products at the moment. You're missing the main joke here is that you've you've risen to the occasion. <laughs> that is a Matthew joke, isn't it? That I think that's something. I've missed that one. Sorry. <laughs> if you fancy ditching the employee habit and being your own boss, then head over to www.kicktheemployeehabit.com for Enterprise Ian's fabulous new book. What I was going to ask you next is. What's the biggest shock you've had? It's now at the point of bringing in five, six hundred pounds every week um, for a couple of days' work. Day or two of the week after my actual job, and then I invest a couple of days into this every week, and that keeps me busy. And the other three days, I'm looking after kids or whatever. So the, I'm kind of at the crunch time now. Well, that's very appropriate for sourdough, <laughs> because let's face it, some people like sourdough and some people loathe sourdough. Yes. Uh, Mike Flat here has particular views on sourdough, which... He may or may not share with just, us. Just, what's, what's the point, you know? If you want, like, if you want to break your teeth on something, why not just chew a brick, you know, that's slathered in vinegar? That's what sourdough is. It's a brick with vinegar and it makes no sense. Just mm. have, have a fucking nice bit of toast. Why, why would you want to break your tooth on it, you know? There's nothing you can put on sourdough would you like that to, makes would you it like good. To, would you like to... I don't think he um, likes it. Uh, uh, would you like to respond to that, Carol? Yeah, I think... Um, some people just don't have the culture and sophistication. Um, uh, so sourdough uh, clearly isn't for everyone. But 
you know, it's it's a growing market, and it's something that I think when people realise that there are health benefits, clearly there's a cost element too. So maybe being a tight-fisted Scotsman <laughs> doesn't perhaps understand. Mike Flats Canadian bitch. Well, <laughs> Canadian, whatever. Um, culture obviously hasn't gone across the Atlantic, but we're getting there. So, um, look, I know we say we say it in jest, and I appreciate that sourdough is expensive. It takes a long time to make. There's something a little bit, you know, pretentious about it in some ways. I think there's no denying it. But it's something that I, I love doing and people like to eat. So people like to eat it. There is a brilliant that's, that's cartoon I saw a few years ago in a Private Eye. And it was two pigeons in the middle of the pavement looking down at breadcrumbs. And the caption said, not bloody sourdough again. <laughs> so <laughs> that, I think, was outside Brixton or something like this. So... What's the biggest shock you've had while you've been doing this? Um, well, I think <laughs> I think there's several shocks, really. I think when you go from doing four loaves, two loaves, you then multiply the equipment that you need to then suddenly you're doing, um, like today I've baked 60 loaves plus everything else, and then tomorrow I've got 70 loaves. The biggest shock is when you suddenly start to see the equipment, the amount of time it takes, and then the skill factor too. So even now I sort of, a year on to kind of doing this a bit more commercially, but certainly five months of trying to do it professionally, I still get that kind of nervous nervousness when I open the oven um, because I don't know what's going to happen because uh, I haven't had the, the sort of years and years of training and experience. So I think the biggest shock is when you you first open a bread oven and the bread looks good. You think, oh my God, I'm a genius. And then you do it the next time and it comes out and it's terrible. You think, maybe I'm not a genius. And you, you're kind of constantly learning. And I mean, I say this to my wife all the time. She's always like, God, have you not just nailed this yet? You've not just got on with it and got it right. And you think, no, it's just sourdough. And maybe that's where the pretentiousness comes in is you're always learning. You're always changing. You're always asking people stuff. And in my kitchen, I was interviewed for a, a newspaper and the sort of the headline they took out of it was the phrase I used was, Christ, what have you done to your kitchen? But then if, if, but if you look at my kitchen, it's got, it's got two mixers in it, two big ovens, two fridges, a workbench, the table. And then come... You know, come five, half five today when my kids come back from nursery, it's got a one-year-old in it, a three-year-old in it, 70 loaves, pizza kits. It's it's a bit mad. So. It's an old-style family business. Kevin, you're itching to get a question in. Yeah, yeah. just uh, do you have, um, I mean, I can smell the <laughs> sour bread here. I mean, I, lo- I love it. And it is a premium when you go into the supermarket, yes. in some supermarkets. Um, but uh, have you got an example? Have you got a loaf that we can have a look at? Those listening on the home service need to know that Carl has produced from behind him a loaf of sourdough bread with a beautiful crust on top. Uh, those listening on the light programme will also notice that he has produced a loaf of sourdough, but it's in black and white. Uh, now back to the programme. Oh, here it comes. It looks relatively... Oh, tap the crust, yes. Carl. Tap the crust. Yeah, that's, that's, that seems pretty solid. Uh, is that for that? Is that a sale for sale one, or is yeah, that that's a, a demonstration? Yeah, that's for sale. Everything I bake gets sold. So um, yeah, that, that's it. That yeah, is that's, nice. that's what I because I was going to hope that you might break it open and we could do a Paul Hollywood <laughs> and analyze the crust. But um, will this be your life? Do you think? Yes, I think so. I would like to see myself in five years' time with a you know some kind of bakery. But it, it Do you a, see yourself as a baker, a businessman, or an entrepreneur? I think at the minute a baker. <laughs> Are you making any dough? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, well, no, it's a predictable one. <laughs> in the dough, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I do make money from it, you know. There, there is actually, as you'll note, sourdough is expensive. And there, sourdough bread itself, you don't make a lot of money on. But it's in the quantity. So if, it's like anything. If, if, if you looked at the profit margin on a loaf of bread, if you looked in retail, it's actually really good. It's just that to get the necessary amount of money in to make a living from it, you have to sell an awful lot of just bread. No, so. I mean, let's just... Um... What's the friends and family been saying about it all? Have they been supportive? Or do they view it as a, a passing fad, a gimmick? No, I think this... What do you think? I think they, they can see that I, I love doing it, to be honest. Um, and I think with the very start of this, I mentioned I spent five years working in the wine industry where I was very fortunate to travel around. And that five, my interest in this type of product and the point of origin and the quality of products and how important that is. And I think... I've been looking at doing this sort of stuff, whether it be in beer or bread or wine or whatever, for a long time. So this to me is, it, it feels like a sort of natural progression and a long-term goal. Matthew, I think it was good to see something insightful. Well, yes, ever. I mean, the thing is, obviously, you always take things from other jobs. I mean, what did you learn from me in the radio studio? <laughs> I think in the, obviously, Matthew and be, I worked Be honest, Carl, just be honest. We all, we all know what you want to say. <laughs> <laughs> Look, underneath Matthew's rather jolly exterior, he's actually a good journalist. Checks uh, in the post and there. I took on a role at the radio station we worked at. Being honest, I think he did actually, he was genuinely a help to me, as much as he can be a bit... He was, and he can be a bit silly. Oi, oi. But when it comes to actually going out and collecting stories and doing what he's trained to do, he's actually very... Trained. Um, and his experience helped. Well, that's enough of the commercial plug. Thank you very much <laughs> for that. So, um, what we're kind of getting at now is, where do you see yourself in five years' time? I would love to see myself with a still a micro bakery, but whether that be in a shipping container, whether that be in the garage, which is going to. Oh wait a minute! Where? Hold it right there, <clears throat> a shipping container. How hipster can you get? But you, you, Sourdough in a shipping container. Now, we in Glasgow do proper shops and bakeries down the road. We have a choice of not one, not two, but three types of sourdough from our fabulous local bakers. And I'm sure you've read is absolutely delicious. They've been around for a while. I know things have taken a long time to reach where you are. But um, a shipping container? Why a shipping container? It could be a shop. Just Anyway, it's more just the, the town that I'm in. Portrush, for those that you don't know, it is the holiday town, seaside town in Northern Ireland. So it has a very seasonal flavour. Um, so six months of the year the town is packed, six months of the year it isn't. So, but there is there's still a very vibrant community here. So something like a shipping container would probably help with that seasonality because if you think if you run a lot of the businesses, the hospitality-based businesses in the town, they significantly reduce. So Fiona's itching coming from a seaside town <laughs> well, herself. She's got something to similar. say. Actually, just in the shipping container, we've got a, a new takeaway seafood, I don't know what it's called, but they're in a wee shipping type container um, just on the, the shore. And it looks really great. I think it's uh, a little bit different. But also, we don't have our bakers anymore. And I think it's really sad that, I mean, there's about 8,000 people living over and we don't have... A baker's. We don't have a bakery. Are you the only sourdough baker in Port Rush, Carl? Yes. So the only one in Port Rush. Port Rush is about six thousand. There's there's one in Port Stewart, which is the town over, but they focus more on buns than bread. Oh, I love buns. And then there's and then there's one in 
place called Ballycastle. Underneath this mild, unassuming exterior, as opposed to the hard exterior of a sourdough loaf, there, uh, there, there lurks somebody who's clearly thought this business through. How much time and energy have you thought about the business as opposed to the bread side of it? Well, I think, like anything, I, I said at the start I didn't plan. And I didn't really plan. I didn't plan. Didn't set myself any goals. But, but different planning is very different from thinking. But I did, and I yes, I did take the step of thinking an awful lot about what I wanted to do. I did a program with the local council here, which is free, and they helped me do a business plan. And it was that moment really that I would say, without sounding like a plug for it, but it was that moment where I actually went, "This is what I want to achieve." Because I'm not a fan of businesses starting with a business plan because they can scare the bejesus out of everybody. But if you've got your thoughts through, so explain to us why doing that exercise, was it the plan or was it the advisor or was it a mix? I think what it made it so helpful for you. I think it was a mix. Now, I would agree with you about plans. Um, I think sometimes people become too beholden to them. Um, a lot of those plans are a waste of time. However, what it did was it, it now enabled me to actually research what equipment I need, what time I need, what space I need how much money I can make from doing that. Because when I set out, I sort of set out thinking, right, I'm currently furloughed. I have a young family. My wife works. I don't need to risk all that. So why don't, if I'm going to do this business, I want to do it organically. And I want to set it up so that it doesn't essentially cost me any money. So if that means it takes a little while to get going, that's fine. Because it'd be very, not easy, but anyone can go and get a loan like you would do for a car. Spend 10 grand, have all the machinery there right I'm going to make a business now I'm going to suddenly become a baker I've got my plan off we go but I didn't want to do that I wanted to just make sure that do you know what if I have a good month I'll buy something and I'll, I'll try and make it easier and easier and easier and now six months in I have all the equipment I need finally I have all of the um, it's a bit more experience so you've used the profits yes to reinvest in the business so everything's been reinvested so I definitely did think how am I going to get even to have a chance of making this a success without spending any money. And that was the biggest challenge. What in the family? Have you got anybody else that's run their own business before? Have you le- how, how have you learned? Because of my background in work, I've probably got a fairly unique background in the sense that I spent five years doing a graduate program and then managing wine shops. So I learned quite a, an aggressive form of retail with wine and beer, where the margins are very low. It's very sales orientated. And then I went from that into what I'd always wanted to do, which was to be a journalist, which again is, as Matthew will agree, I'm sure will agree, it's quite aggressive in some ways. There's a lot of people after a very small amount of jobs. So you have to sort of shout louder sometimes to be heard. And then from that into sort of running the Yacht Club now, which I only I took on because it's in Porush. And it's more of a retail type job, but it's a community job where I have lots of employees, but it has a sports function, a social function. It gets me involved in the community. So from that... I'm kind of set up, I think, to run a business. But in terms of my well, family, no, there's no one. I think we've got a chance for another big three, oh, Another Matthew. one? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> another one. Go. I love Ready, three. Steady, Important. The big three. One. Three parts to running a business. Loving selling, loving the product, and loving doing the books. So the first one, which you can do one again. One again. Oh, God, forget it. Have you, do you love selling, Carol? Yeah, I love selling stuff. I love selling stuff. Do you love your product? I do love my products, yes, I do. Now we come to the third one. Three. Do you love sitting with a spreadsheet, going over the figures and doing the books and the accounts and all of that? No, I don't. 
<laughs> Yay! An honest guy. No. So who does that? Well, I have to do it, but you know, I don't enjoy doing it. No. Be honest. I, I, I set out to run my own business and be honest. I hate doing books. I hate sitting at spreadsheets. So like where are you going to find somebody to do the books for you? Well, I need to get big enough, and then I can I can get someone to do it for me. Well, hold on a tick, because this is where I think, actually, what we should do is pause for a little bit of wine o'clock. Because he's a wine person. But don't you want, bre- don't you want bread yeah. o'clock? Just get on with the bloody jingle, man. It's wine o'clock, it's wine o'clock, it's wine o'clock, it's wine o'clock. It's wine, o'clock. wine o'clock, it's wine o'clock. Let's have a little wine. Oh, yeah, go on. So, before we move back to the in-depth discussion of your entrepreneurial abilities, Carol... Uh, oh, you're a beer man. We answered that before. You're not really a wine man, are you? No, I love wine. Uh, oh, do you? I do love wine. Yeah. So, yeah. so give us a recommendation. Um, red or white? Oh well, something that um, lifts the soul. Li- and you see, we're all about soul food and enterprise soul food here. So, what would make somebody feel good uh, apart from? Was it Madame Veuve Clicquot who Actually, said, "I drink champagne." What, yeah. what would you recommend with your crazy sourdough? Um, with the egg on top, Moroccan style. On you go. So I would look for something from Cote de Rome or Cahors down in southern France where you can whisk yourself off to a chateau-laden vineyard and have a nice glass of red wine that's not too heavy in alcohol because it's not as hot as some of the New World countries. You can have a nice glass of red wine which fit perfectly with the meat on your pizza and your egg. That's really, really soothing, which I think probably means we can now move on to... The, the last bit of the whole thing, which is... Are you having fun? Yes. Um, I absolutely love what I do, yes. yes. <laughs> are you making money? Yes, I am making some money, yes. And are you living a better life? Undoubtedly, yes, I am. Running a business from your own house is incredibly hard because of lack of space and kids and all that. But it means that, do you know what, when you're finished at 9, 10 in the morning, your kids are there, your house is there, and you're ready to go for the day. So undoubtedly for me, it's, it's a bit of a game changer. Yes, it's much better. What a fabulous way to end yet another fabulous edition of the Enterprise Ian Show. Yay! But as a little coda, anybody got anything to say of any relevance? So that rules out most of the rest of the panel. Kevin, how are you? How's the tooth? Gone. Okay, there's a long story. You don't need to know about that. But for our regular listeners, we're delighted to hear that Kevin is now on the mend and the issues have started. Mike? Just just um, as a a thing, I just thought, like, you know how you were saying about talking about your business and running out of a container? Now, bear with me on this one because it's kind of a joke on you as well. As everything I say is pretty much a joke on everybody. Um, You could put all the, uh, the, the loafs that didn't work in a in a in a in a bathtub and then you could hook up with say a butcher and maybe a candlestick maker. I'm just throwing it out there. You know <laughs> I think that would be hilarious, but you know I won't charge you for that. Can we call can come over and visit you, Carol? Because I think it'd be lovely to go and do a we could go and do a virtual Kevin we could do the book tour. By the way, for those of you who don't know about it, my book, full details on the website, etc., etc. Send your complimentary copy, Carol. That's it, folks. I think we've covered everything. What an amazing guest. Yay! Yay! Thank you very much, Carol. And 
Actually, Thank you guys. is that somebody behind you trying to get in to buy a loaf? Yeah. I think we better let yeah. you go. It is indeed. Yes, that's us, folks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. You've been listening to The Enterprise Ian Show. Join the club at www.enterpriseian.scot.